This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 306 with Shannon Jamil. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 306. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. I'm so excited to have Shannon Jamil back on the show. This is Shannon's second interview. I will link her first interview up in the show notes as well. So if you love this interview, you can go back and listen to that. I wanted Shannon to come on the show this time specifically to talk about her new book, Surrender. I will tell you, she sent me a copy of the book and I was so excited about it. And the main reason I found it compelling was because there were so many different mindset shifts and mindset resets essentially in the book that I felt like I could immediately apply to my life in really practical, tangible ways, which so it made it feel like immediately, whenever I read something and it's immediately applicable, I'm like, yes, like this is a valuable toolkit in my back pocket. So Shannon, in her book, Surrender, talks you through her own personal experiences with fear and anxiety and stress and negative thinking and imposter syndrome. She has lived through this all herself, and she's found herself at times in her life worrying that she will be found out, like she's an imposter living in her own body, and she has been consumed by the idea that she is not enough. She felt that fear, and she let it hold her back in her life, and she allowed it to hold her back from moving forward in her life. She also struggled with anxiety to the point 
it was debilitating. She's experienced these obstacles in ways that she has had to reach deep, dig deep in order to create and cultivate a life for herself that allows her to actually move forward and allows her to actually live from a joyful, authentic, purpose-driven and real place. And that's where you'll find her now being an imperfect wannabe hippie yoga therapist turned coach and author of her book, Surrender, that sometimes curses too much. She's simple and basic, but pointed and raw in her teaching. She makes mistakes and she likes to have fun and she likes to drink a little tequila here and there. She's also been known to burn down her kitchen. And we talk about that in the interview today. And she's really dug deep and done the work in order to be authentically herself. And only in that authenticity has she really been able to experience true joy and purpose. And now that's what she's going to to teach you in the book and through this conversation today. So now you can find Shannon here, peaceful in her imperfection, authentic, raw, real, and ready to help you find the same for yourself. So I'm really excited to have Shannon here for this conversation. I love having second time guests. I feel like I get to dig deeper than the first time. And it's like just having coffee or a drink with an old friend. So this is so much fun for me and I cannot wait to share it with you as well. So listen in to hear Shannon share how she had to apply her own principles of surrender to her life after she burned down her kitchen literally for real, she did burn down her kitchen, how to embrace and move through anxiety and shift into a do it afraid mindset, how to move past resentment and into forgiveness in family relationships, how to actively take steps toward forgiving someone and how to actively choose love in your life and the universal truths around choosing love. So this is a fun conversation. We laugh a lot, but we also give you a lot of tips you can immediately implement. You're going to walk away from this interview really feeling like you can take some action in your life in ways that's going to give you ease and joy and open up your mental space in new, exciting ways so that you can move forward maybe in areas that you've been feeling pretty stuck in. So I'm so excited to welcome Shannon Jamil back to the Shameless Mom Academy. Shannon Jamel, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy again, because you are one of my few guests that I've had on twice. So I'm so excited to have you back. Oh my gosh, Sarah, I'm so excited to be here and I'm honored to be a second time guest, but really I'm most just excited just to spend time with you. So thank you, thank oh, you, thank you. I totally agree. So this is like repetition for people who heard your first interview, but we met sitting next to each other at a podcasting event. And when my husband asked me sometimes, like, is it worthwhile? Like if you go to these things, like, do you always get something out of it? And I'm like, yes. And I always think like, I don't need to meet any more people. Like I already know enough people, <laughs> but I always end up sitting next to like one person or having one conversation that creates this like, ongoing relationship, friendship, kinship, whatever, where I'm like, I'm so glad this person's in my life. So I'm so glad that you're in my life and that you're here and that this has been like for, I don't know, a year and a half now that we've been able to be in each other's orbit. Yes. I really do think that was serendipity because I was just at that space going, okay, why am I here again? Like it was one of my very (laughs) first workshops doing a podcast thing. And I'm like, wait, why did I come here? And I literally like, we turned to each other and started talking and seriously, it was serendipity because it was like, oh, this is why I came here. Not just you, but obviously relationships like you were saying, although I'm so incredibly grateful that we've kept in contact. Yes. Yes. And I always say to people when they talk about oftentimes in an interview, someone will say like, oh, I'm working on a book or I'm going to, you know, next year I want to write a book. And I always say, well, when you write the book, let me know and you can come back and be on the show. And a handful of people have done it now, which speaks to the awesomeness and action taker of people that I know. But it's so fun to have people come back. And that's why you are here because you wrote a book and now we get to talk about it. Oh my gosh. Sometimes when people say that, so my husband's been an author for 12 or 13 years and I helped him, you know, through that process. 
And so author books, publications, all that stuff's fairly common language in here, but never has it been referred to me. And it kind of feels really weird still when mm. I'm talking to someone, I'm like, wait, this is my book. It's not my <laughs> husband's book. Like, what? Wait, I'm the author this time. So yeah, this is really, really just incredible for me. So exciting. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics in your personal and professional life right now beyond your bio and what you're most excited about. And if you want to talk about your kitchen, you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you said that, I almost feel like I have to. <laughs> Of course, I'm excited about my book, but I'm really excited to have a kitchen again because I burned my down about, it's been over three months now. And so the kitchen is completely gone. And like when I say gone, if you just picture stud walls and that's it, no plumbing, no nothing, it's just gone. So yes, I'm very excited to have a kitchen soon. And so as we speak, they're doing the floors downstairs. And so hopefully that won't interrupt too much. But (laughs) I am shamelessly waiting to cook and have wine and just enjoy a kitchen again, if you can believe that. I never thought I would say that. Right, right. (laughs) But yes, I'm excited about that. And funny enough, I'm just excited about slowing down a little bit too. Mm, So that's something that's coming up in my life right now too. Nice. Can I ask how you burned your kitchen down? (laughs) I feel like we can't just gloss over that. (laughs) Okay. So I love making candles. Like it's Mm. just for fun. I make soy based essential oil candles and I throw fresh herbs in it. And it's just seriously, it's a hobby. I love it. And I make them in the microwave all the time. And there was this weekend where I was like in the middle of packing our RV to go camping. And the following weekend I was hosting a retreat And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a couple candles for the retreat for next weekend, but I'm going to try it on the stove because I can make more than one. And I have a home office. So I put the amount of soy in the pot, which by the way, when you, you know, soy wax, when you burn it down, it turns into oil, right? So anyway, so I put it on the stove and I go into my home office, shut the door because I get on a call, literally forget about it. Sarah, when I tell you I forgot that I put it on the stove, when the fire detector alarm went off, I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, why is that even going on? Oh my gosh. So, and then it just went downhill from there because I came out of my office, the whole house is full of smoke. There's <gasps> the pots on fire, the microwave's melting into the pot. I did everything wrong. I put water on it. Oh no. Not- not thinking. So now my ceiling's on fire, the cabinets are on fire. And then I try to get the pot off the stove because like the pot was its own kind of internal boiling flame plus everything around it was, this is going to sound really asinine, but when you're in the middle of this, you're not thinking. And so I thought, well, if I move the pot, that's like getting some of the fire away. I don't know. Anyway, so I like tried to move the pot, but of course it burns my hands, even though I tried to use towels. And so I dropped the pot of oil. Thank goodness not me, but now my floor is on fire. So like the floor is on fire, cabinets are on fire, ceilings on fire, the microwave and stove's on fire. And I'm just like, oh, I pretty much am in, in trouble like this. <laughs> so wow. luckily enough, by the way, this I'm going to my only soapbox I'm going to get on, which has nothing even to do with my book. But if you don't have a fire extinguisher or your listeners don't have a fire mm. extinguisher, please, please, please jump on Amazon and order one and then make yourself familiar with how it works before you stick it in your pantry or under your sink. If you have one, check the expiration date because I did not have one. But I lucked out that I was packing my RV and it was a fairly new RV. So it had one in it like it comes mm. with it. So I just at the last minute remembered to go grab it and I was able to get the fire out before the fire department got there. Oh, wow. At that point, the whole kitchen had been either smoked or gone and most of my downstairs too. So, oh my um, gosh. but anyway, so fire extinguisher, fire extinguisher, fire extinguisher. I mean, that's <laughs> one way to have a memorable year. Like you would have thought like the book would make the year memorable. <laughs> <I> but <know. laughs> 
This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing. And they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. My second book will be called Fire 101 or something. <laughs> right, I don't know. right, right. Oh my so. gosh, that sounds terrifying. It's a major life event that makes for a really good story when you're no longer living the major life event. But when you're in yes. it, like that's trauma and like fire is not something that you want to have yeah. to live through. And I mean, there's just so many things that I'm sure took some time to process and that were really, really overwhelming. Yeah. I don't mean to make light of it because now right. I can totally laugh, but you know, I had nightmares for a while. My hands yeah. were burnt. I mean, there was definitely some things mm. that 
happen. But you know what, Sarah, I will tell you though. And again, you know, I know we're talking about my book. I hate to keep plugging it, but like it definitely allowed me to put into place the practices yes. that in my book in this situation. And so totally. I had no choice but to live what I wrote through this whole process. Right. And so I, I can honestly say, as I sit here talking to you today, that it's just a kitchen. It's just stuff. It was an experience. It was a mistake. It was a great learning opportunity. I have had the opportunity to send out fire extinguishers to people I love mm. all over the country because they didn't have one. And now I, you know, I'm gifting them. You know what I mean? There's so much beautiful things that came through it. And now I'm going to have this gorgeous new kitchen. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. <laughs> we had a friend who had a major flood in their house that I believe was started by a bathwater being left on that like went into the bathroom and then into a bedroom and then through the ceiling oh, downstairs. Gosh. And it was like a whole thing. But at the end of it, they were like, well, I mean, we had talked about doing a remodel anyway. <laughs> so. Well, my husband and I were talking about like, cause we had to get rid of our mattresses and furniture, any soft oh, goods because they yeah, were the smoke, smoke damaged. And he was literally like, as we go through the house and it's like, literally it's our stuff, but oh, well, it's stuff. He's like, well, my back's been hurting. So we're going to get a new match. That's <laughs> right. going to work out. Right. You didn't like the couch anyway. We're getting rid of that. We're moving in two years. So this will be a great upgrade with a brand new kitchen. Like, you know what I mean? You just kind of right. go through and you're like, I could sit here and be really upset and mad and shamed and all kinds of weird things could happen in this situation. But the truth of it is, this is why you pay for insurance. This mm -hmm. is a mistake that you learn from. And it's just stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just stuff. So. Yeah. so you bring up a great point about having to practice what you preach with the fire. You had to dive into your own techniques that you talk about in the book mm -hmm. and surrender. And we were just laughing before we started recording that sometimes like when you write a book or you have a certain level of expertise, like there's things that I've talked about over the course of 300 podcast interviews where I'm like, I am good at this stuff. Like I've already done the work, like thinking like, I'll never have to turn back because I've already done it. But then you have these life events where you do have to turn back and you have to dig mm -hmm. into your own like vault of work and practice what you preach. And that's really hard and like kind of annoying because you're like, wait, I've already done this once. I really do I have to do it again. But I want to talk about how that relates to ego because I think there is some ego around like, well, I've already done it and I wrote a book about it. So like, I'm not like, I don't have to continue to address that piece of my life. But the thing is, we always have to go back. Like every time we move <laughs> forward, there's going to be more opportunities to like look back and reach back into that vault. So can you talk a little bit about how many of us operate from a place of ego and even fear without realizing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to comment real quick too that like, I agree when we go through and we are teachers, you know, that's what we could call ourselves as teachers yeah. that sometimes when we have to swallow our own lesson, it, you kind of go to this place of, who in the heck wrote this? Like, where did this go? <laughs> yes. What was I thinking? And then you, you know, but then when you put it into practice, even reluctantly, you're like, okay, wait, I get it. Like, right. and I think practice is, that's kind of process of life, right? Everything that we're trying to either undo or do or create, there's some form of practice. And that especially goes for ego. Yeah. Because in so many ways, ego is tied up into like a negative thing. And sure, it can absolutely be a negative thing, but I really think it's the power of the ego and your choice and what you do with it, right? When it comes down to ego, it can be a powerful tool to harness, at least that's my opinion. But there's lots of differing things. So you kind of have to listen to your own gut and what that feels like. You know, I study A Course in Miracles and, you know, ego is depicted as very bad in A Course in Miracles. And so you have to kind of take what lesson you can from that as well. But how you can identify, I think, that you're operating from maybe the negative side of ego or a more, you know, self-centered place is a couple bullets. And they're outlined in my book and I'll just briefly go over them. But 
when you're making decisions, you might be doing that just to avoid pain, discomfort, or confrontation versus what's best, right? That means your ego is taking over. Or you make knee-jerk reactions that at first might bring you relief, but then later on, you're like, man, they cause a lot of anxiety or worry. That means you made a decision based on ego as well or the negative aspects of it. You're constantly seeking accolades and recognition from others. I think that's such a big one. Yeah. Maybe because it's a big one for me. It is for me. I mean, let's just get personal. I really like Sarah. attention and accolade. I would love to accept any awards anyone would like to give me. Sarah, you're speaking my language. If I post something too, like let's talk about social media. Like oh. if I post on social media, am I feeding my ego right. or what's my intention? So right, right. I 100%. By the way, everything I talk about in my book, I'm talking from a place of I'm there or yeah, I have been yeah. there, you know? So, and you yeah. have really great stories that coincide with like every lesson, which I find so valuable. Oh, thank you. So a couple other things is you envision rejection, failure, or even catastrophe when you're planning new things. That's based fear more so than ego. But this is also another fear-based one, which is your self-talk. Sounds like I can't do that. They won't like me. That's not my strength. I can't achieve that. I'm not good enough. Or you think chasing dreams is something other people do. Those are more fear-based, but fear can also tie into the ego as well. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. So with that, Where does one go when one recognizes like, oh, I do do things because I'm looking for recognition or I do think that other people can do things that I can't and I have an I can't kind of an attitude. What is an action step or like something that someone can do to start to shift that a little bit and start to pull themselves out of that ego and fear-based mentality? So the first thing I think you could do in anything, the first thing is going to be awareness. And I think awareness starts, though, with exactly what you're saying. It's just questioning it, right? The minute you start asking questions, you're bringing in awareness. So asking yourself questions, you kind of inquire within about whatever you're thinking or whatever action you're thinking about taking, including like you're about to post a picture or you are going to post a blog or you're going to have a conversation with someone. You're going to make a phone call. You're going to send a text. You're going to interact with your neighbor, like whatever it is that you're you know, doing. Again, it's a practice, but just ask questions like, what's my intention here in this X, Y, Z, right? And what does that feel like? Because Sarah, you know your body, you know, like, let's say you post something and right before you do it, something in you says, oh, you're just doing it for X, Y, Z, or you probably shouldn't do this. Or, you know, like something flag pops up, but you're like, ah, screw it. And you do it anyway, or whatever may be the case. So your body tells you. So kind of ask questions and like pay attention to what your body and your like inner voice or inner spirit is telling you. Because those are like, our bodies are such intuitive, like they're incredible, incredible communicators, right? I mean, they're so intuitive. And so your body can kind of tell you when you're headed in the wrong direction. It's literally like a receiver or however you want to describe it. So, you know, ask yourself questions, bring awareness to it, and then listen to your body. That would be like the first major kind of step is what, you know, I would tell someone. I like that. And when you say listen to your body, I think we should clarify that your ego and fear sometimes will lie to you. (laughs) And so, so when you're listening to your body and you're thinking like, maybe your original train of thought is like, well, I can't launch a podcast or a blog because I don't have anything to say that hasn't already been said. So when you go to do that thing, and when you feel that in your body, sometimes, you know, you think like, okay, I'm going to move past the ego. I'm going to move past the fear. Like I've got my head wrapped around this. And then when you go to do it, you get this feeling in your gut 
And you're like, oh, wait, is this my body telling me not to do that, though? Because my gut is like tied up in knots. And this happens with me a lot. And we're going to talk about anxiety in a minute, but I'm prone to anxiety. And I know you've definitely Mm -hmm. shared some struggles with that as well. So when I have doubt, it forms in this pit in my stomach that is very recognizable to me. And Mm -hmm. so if you can often let yourself off the hook because you're thinking, oh, well, my body is telling me not to do this because I have this pit in my stomach. And in reality, that's not what that pit is. That pit is like you can push through that pit and do launch the blog, launch the podcast, do the hard and scary thing in spite of that. Yeah. And that's where asking questions is what's really important. So for instance, let's do a a real life example for someone. You want to launch a podcast. You've been thinking about it. You think you have some great ideas, topic, title, whatever. But just like you said, you think you want to launch this podcast and all of a sudden your stomach is like, oh, hell no. It clenches up. It tightens up. You start getting the thoughts of no one wants to hear what I have to say. It wouldn't even know where to start. It's going to cost me money. How am I going to make money? It's going to take time. You know what I mean? Like all these things start coming up and it's tight, tight, tight. So right there, you can stop and say, nope, I'm done. This means I'm not supposed to do it. Or you can start asking questions. Why do I want to do a podcast? What's my intention behind the podcast? Who am I going to serve in this podcast? What can I learn and how can I grow and how can I help others grow? And when you work through all those questions, then you can see where your intention is. If you work through those questions and you find out your intention is, I just want to make a lot of money because I heard that, you know, podcast is a way to make a lot of money. I'm just making this up, like whatever. Mm then you're going to probably still stay in that ugly kind of tight position because that's never going to serve you. But if you go through those questions, this question process, and you realize, man, I have a beautiful message that has helped this demographic, or here's how I can serve, and here's what I would learn and gain from it. You know what I mean? Like you start really going through, that's going to help you either loosen up the things you're feeling in your body or help you move past it and do it anyhow. Because mm. I'm all about doing it afraid, right? If, if you're afraid, do it anyhow. Yes. You're going to be is... afraid anyway. So do it anyhow, right. you know? I recently did a social media post on do it terrified, which is the same yes. same idea. But And this is like a beautiful segue because I wanted to talk about this anyways. And you talk in the book about do it afraid. And you talk about that specifically in the context of managing, dealing with anxiety. So can you talk about your experiences with anxiety and how you have gotten to a place of being able to embrace this do it afraid mentality? Yeah. So I've had anxiety, honestly, for as long as I can remember, but if I had to pinpoint it, definitely was, you know, exasperated starting in my teens, which is, you know, kind of a little bit normal, but there's no normal though when it comes to mental health, by the way. So It's what took me, though, my own struggle with anxiety is the reason why I went into behavioral health. It's the reason why I became a therapist was to understand what I'm going through so thereby help myself, but then in turn be able to serve others who also struggle with anxiety. What I found, though, through my education and just experience and through working with thousands of people is that anxiety is not really something that can be cured for one. And I know that's not what any of us want to hear. But two, we have to have anxiety. Like there's a certain amount of anxiety that's just a stress response almost Mm. system in our body that is just normal. Again, I don't like using the word normal, but I'm going to here for context. You know, you almost fell down the steps. You have a stress response. And then maybe next time you go down those steps, you have a little bit of anxious thoughts about what if I slip on this? You know what I mean? So there's just a certain amount that's just our protection. It's meant to protect us. If we then approach our anxiety that way, where it's not something that's evil or out to get us or 
you know, our enemy, if we look at it as more of a protection system, at least approach it that way, then you've already started the process of less resistance, right? You're not butting up because I really believe that what you resist persists. So the more you fight your anxiety, the more you say, I hate my anxiety. I shouldn't have anxiety. It's abnormal. I'm all messed up. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't this. It always, always, always. Well, that's how it's going to be. I mean, that's what it's going to be in your life. And it's just going to get worse and worse. Now, but keep in mind, I'm not talking about diagnosed GAD or diagnosed social anxiety or someone who's working with a therapist or maybe on medication. Although I do believe these thoughts and ideas can apply. Mm -hmm. There's also situations where you need mental health therapist. And please don't be afraid or ashamed or think that you shouldn't go that route. Absolutely. I'm talking about you've got anxiety, you struggle with it, but it doesn't necessarily take away from the overall functions of your life. You're still able to function in the key areas of your life. It just might be hard, you know? And so the first step, again, turn it into your friend, turn it into an ally, look at it as a protector, embrace your anxiety and learn to move with it almost like a dance, like learn to move with it. Oh, I hear there's my good friend anxiety. Thank you so much for your protection, but you're not needed today. Move Mm on. Oh, there's my friend anxiety. Thank you so much for your protection today. You're not needed. Move on. And so it's a practice. Yeah. I make it sound super simple, like, oh, I woke up, I had anxiety, and I th- said thank you, and it took the heck off. Well, you know, like, it's a practice. Right, right. Um, but it starts with mindset. It really genuinely starts with mindset. And you know, Sarah, you know when your anxiety, you know, could be triggered or when it's activated or you feel it in your body and in your thoughts. You know when it's, like, peeking around the corner or however it looks for you. And so that's the time, like, right when it's right, right, right at the beginning is the best time or however it looks in someone's life when they wake up, when they go to bed, whatever, is the best time to say, oh, gosh, thank you so much that you're here for my protection. I am so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for the learning I've had. You know, I'm overwhelmed by your desire to want to protect me. However, I don't need you. And then it's a conversation. It's a meditation. It's a prayer. But it's a gratitude and a release. Mm, That makes so much sense. I know for me, I often feel an anxious feeling when I wake up in the morning and I've developed my morning routine to combat that over time. And for a long time, it was just exercise, which still works very well for me. But now I've added like reading and writing and different things for my morning routine. And I think for me, that has definitely been my ability to find power in Mm -hmm. the times when I feel predictably less powerful or most powerless in my life, which can often be like every single morning when I wake up. And so for me to just know that like, okay, this is a common occurrence at this time of day. So you're going to put a routine in place. That's just like your go-to, like that's just how you start every day to combat that. And I know for you, you had anxiety wrapped around flying and Mm -hmm. you had routines around managing that, that kind of stopped serving you at a certain point. And so then you had to redefine that routine in order to, like you just said, to be like, okay, anxiety, like I see you, I hear you and thank you for protecting me. And I don't need you here right now. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. First, I love that you said that you put routines in place because that already you're acknowledging it and you're not denying it. Because what sometimes people will do is they'll like, I don't want this anxiety. I'm shutting it out. It's Mm -hmm. not here. If I just pretend like it's not here, I could just push through it. Right. I mean, that's what everybody says. Pretend like it's not there. Pretend like you're not depressed. Pretend like you're not sad. Well, that's never, ever the right approach, in my opinion. And I I rarely say never, ever, because everybody's different. But really, denial of what you're feeling is just not self-serving. 
And so acknowledging it, like, don't make it your enemy, acknowledge it, you know, and give yourself grace. Like, gosh, I can't tell you how many times I'd wake up with anxiety and be like, why in the heck? Are you kidding me? Nothing's going on. Everything was wonderful yesterday. I didn't have a bad dream. What? You know what I mean? Well, that's not self-serving either, because that's just, again, making your anxiety the enemy or whatever it is that you're feeling. So, yeah, when it came to flying, girlfriend. I cannot (laughs) tell you how terrified I was of flying. My whole family, friends, everybody that knew me, it was like the running joke of like, Shannon's going to pour herself into a seat on the plane after cocktails and Valium, I'm embarrassed to say, and literally like which is, by the way, dangerous and illegal. And then illegal being that you're not supposed to be so intoxicated on a plane that you couldn't, you would be a hindrance to everybody else if there was an emergency. And so, you know, I would be just so comatose so that it wouldn't matter if the plane actually crashed. That's what, you know, my goal was. And so I really had to change, one, how I felt about my anxiety with flying. Like I had to quit making it such a terrible thing that I felt that. It's normal to possibly feel like, you're getting in this tin can that's going up in the air. You know what I mean? Like that's not an abnormal thought to be kind of worried about it. So one, I had to quit making it like it was the wrong thing to feel. And then two, I had to change the first really big one I had to do is change my language around it. Because Sarah, I was always like, I hate flying Mm. the stupid planes and turbulence. And oh my gosh, we, this happened and this happened. I mean, it was like, it was embarrassing how negative and terrible I was, you know, as far as my language. So I had to change my language. And then I had to say, like, why do I fly? Because it allows me to do this. It allows me to see this person. It allows me to connect here. Like, and that's what I started focusing on, right? So first I embraced my anxiety and made it like a friend and a protector. And then I changed my language around anxiety as far as the plane. And then I set up, you know, language on what it allows me to do love, be connected with other people, travel, see beautiful places. And so once I went through that process, Sarah, I mean, I don't want to say it became easy because today, like I just got back in town last week in Dallas and it had probably one of the most bumpiest flights I've been on in a long time. Like it was rough. And so I'm not going to sit here and say that I was like, "Ooh, this is lovely. I'm so excited <laughs> so that I'm grateful. on this <laughs> Yeah, I'm so excited that I'm on this airplane right now and I'm going to go see my kids and this is lovely. Like I was what I do too when it's really bumpy. This is a sidetrack, but talk about things in place is I bounce. So the people next to me must who knows what they think. But if I'm physically bouncing, then I can't de- decipher the difference between yeah. my bounce and the plane bounce. So it actually really really That's works. So smart. I just bounce like and nobody knows what I'm doing because the whole plane's bouncing. So I bounce my actual body. And so that's what I did. I bounced and I started thinking about what's going to happen when I land. It's going to be so cool. I'm on my way home. I was gone for a long time. You know, like I start thinking about all that. And what am I going to do tomorrow? That's going to be really great. And I love flying because of this. And oh, my gosh, there's air bumps in the the sky. How exciting is this? Like I just tried to change my language about it while also acknowledging that it's very bouncy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's practice though. And when it's not perfect, offer yourself grace through that too. I love the idea of changing wording. I think this is so important. So my husband pointed out to me, like probably a year or two ago, he pointed this out, that when we first started dating, I would often say, oh, I hate this and I hate that. And not Mm -hmm. related to people, related to like just random little things. And he was like, it was 
really strong language. And he said it was such a turnoff. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me? And he was like, well, I didn't want to tell you. I didn't want to make you feel bad. But he said it really bothered him. And again, I was like, dude, you need to tell me. Like, I'm really uncomfortable <laughs> that you did not. I'm first of all, I'm really un- horrified that I did that. And also, mm-hmm. I'm really uncomfortable that you didn't tell me. But anyways, what I started noticing is that I now notice other people in my life that talk like that. And I think that's where I just kind of got it subconsciously. And mm-hmm. The people who talk like that have a lot of struggles with anxiety and fear-based mindsets and they're held back and they're held back in their life in ways that I often view as like kind of silly and small. And I think it's because they choose to, for lack of a better word, they choose to embrace like, I hate this and I hate that. And it's, I mean, a famous one. So I'm going to throw my mom under the bus. My mom got a new (laughs) dishwasher and she was like, oh, I, and I just hate this new dishwasher. And like, I mean, it went on and on. And I was like, you can't feel that strongly about a dishwasher because that says so much about the rest of your life. If you are in a position to feel that strongly about a dishwasher, we need to talk about some things. Right. <laughs> and this went on. This was a few years ago. But like we had multiple conversations about like, well, it's really loud. And I don't like the way that like the little things stick up. It doesn't let me organize. My, and it was like all this stuff about this dishwasher. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is really not a big thing. This is not a big problem in the grand scheme of life. So I've been mindful of how I see other people use that wording and what that does to mindset and what that does to how you move through life if you're conscientious on a regular basis of all the things that you hate. Yes, yes, yes. I cannot say yes enough. The, <laughs> the language and the mindset is everything. And, you know, again, I know I've said practice. It is a practice. Mm-hmm. Part of my thing, and I talk about it in the book and I do it at all my retreats. One of the things I talk about that's seriously the most life-changing thing ever. I might've even said this on your last podcast, but it's to stop complaining. Mm-hmm. Like if you just did that one thing, like, you know, you didn't do any other change in your life and just took the one step to stop verbally complaining. Don't worry about what happens in your head yet. Stop complaining out loud. Yeah. It will eventually change your thoughts anyhow. Totally. It is life changing. It really, really is life changing. Yeah. Yeah. I am someone who historically has been guilty of if like something's going wrong on any given day that I start adding up all the things in my head, like, well, this went wrong and then this went wrong. And so now, (laughs) of course, this afternoon, I'm sure this is going to go wrong too. Like you have like this laundry list (laughs) and almost to the point where like, I thought, well, this will make it for a good story when my husband comes home. So I can be like, well, these are the 18 things that went wrong. You want to hear about my day? And but like, what does that serve? That is so not productive. So I'm really conscientious now of like, I'll make a joke about it sometimes to be like, obviously it's a Monday, like three things went wrong before 8am. And also this is not going to define my day. Like we are moving on from here. Hey, well, at least you put that second step in. I did the same thing with my husband, just maybe it was, oh, I don't know, a week or so ago. I went to text him everything that was going wrong with my travel. Like I was going to list it all out thinking I'm being funny. But as I was typing up all the things were going wrong, it was making me angrier and like Mm. kind of looking for more things that are wrong, which by the way, you will find and you totally, will yes. totally attract. Right. And so I deleted the whole text and I'm like, I landed safely. I'm so happy. And I sent it to him. And all I kept <laughs> oh thinking was gosh. that feels so much better. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, why was I going to go joking or not? Like right. the more I listed, the more I was going for all the crap that went wrong and what they charged me and how they broke my lug, whatever. Like it was like I was finding and looking and literally yeah. looking with my yes. eyes even. <laughs> yes, totally. And also like no one wants to be around the person. I mean, it's one thing if they're right. doing it joking, but like no one wants to be around 
around the person who's always like looking for the next bad thing to happen because they just know it's going to happen. Like, that's not fun. That is such a suck on everyone's energy. Yeah. And then by the way, you'll start comparing. So Sarah, you'll tell me all the things that are going wrong with your day, live podcast, whatever. And then I'll start doing the same thing. And we're going to start having this battle, girl, on who's is worse. And we're going to keep digging. (laughs) When my husband was unhappy with his work, when he had his own company, he would often come upstairs from his basement office and be like, today was really hard for like, and then he would give me like the bullet list of like why the day was so hard. And then he'd be like, well, how was your day? And I was like, all I can ever say is great because I'm not going to be like, well, here's how my day sucked in 13 ways too. Like I can't do that. I cannot have every day at five o'clock be like, let's compare how our days were awful. Yeah. (laughs) My husband has this really great response when someone asks him how he is. He always says, I'm living the dream. And they joke around with him. They're like, wow, your life must be great. And his response is always like, I didn't say it was a good dream. I just said I'm living a dream. Right. Like it could be a bad day. Like, cause right. let's not be silly and say we don't have bad days or bad right. things can happen. Of course they can. It's a matter of whether or not you're going to stay in that space and look for more bad to come. Mm. But his response works either way because at least he's not saying, oh, it's a crappy day. You know, it's right. like I'm living the dream. Right. <laughs> so. Right. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously. And six one since that matters. And What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. So I want to shift into some conversation around judgment, because I think this is such a big topic for women especially. So how can we assess being stuck in judgment? And do you think that people who tend to judge others are often projecting the judgment they hold for themselves and their own imperfections? Oh, this is so deep. This out of every chapter in my book (laughs) is the one that I, I mean, every day I still, it's a practice for me. Mm -hmm. So how you can tell you're stuck in that judgment cycle are a few things. One, you obviously, this is probably a little bit more obvious one is that you rate others based on maybe how they dress, color their skin, where they live, their political beliefs, whatever. Like you just automatically pinhole someone based on those factors. Another one is you might get more enraged about others, quote unquote, sins versus embarrassed by your own. You put sins in whatever category you want, and then you leave little to no room for mistakes that are made by others. You know, you're really short tempered when someone makes mistakes. You cut off those that disagree with you or you only listen to respond. 
So you've already made a judgment that your opinion is more important than theirs, right? No matter what they're going to say or who they are. You gossip and look forward to hearing gossip. This is a really big one. Such a big one. Oh, yes. That was a little bit of a gut check for me. Like, yep, me too. Look forward it really, to hearing it. You're like, tell me the goods. Yeah, it still is. Like me and my neighbor, sometimes we're sitting out on our back patio, sipping on tequila, and we're talking about something that we saw. And it's like, oh, can you believe? And I have to like right away. And she's way better. At, believe it. I mean, she's like way better at me than at it than me, where she will just kind of be quiet about it and just like let it just dissipate into the air so that we don't go down that rabbit path. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of me that wants to go, I know, can you know? Right. It's like, Shannon, first of all, that's not good for me. It's healthy. It's unhealthy. But second yeah. of all, I'm that weirdo that believes like what I'm putting out, like I'm going to receive that. So right, like right. I'm inviting that into my life. So yeah, that's a really tough one. It's a big one too. And I think that, so here's what I've started noticing with judgment is that the things, and I think it started with me recognizing it in myself. And now when I point it out to other people, they're often very much in like wholehearted agreement. So let's talk about the thing with clothes, seeing someone else and being like, huh, maybe they shouldn't be wearing that. Like that's not super flattering. Yep. Is that perhaps because I stand in critical judgment of myself in front of my mirror every morning? And so that is something that really shifted in me. And now it's been a while, but that was something that I was hung up on for a long time. And I see a lot of women having that conversation about other women. And it's, always the people who I know are really insecure with their bodies that I hear making those kinds of comments. And so there's that piece. I also hear it when people talk about other people's marriages, other people's family life. Like it's just, it's often the things that we judge other people for are the things that we feel worse about for ourselves. And you can often just substitute out. So an example would be that someone in my life recently, a family member who I don't have any contact with, told someone else in my family that I'm just a really angry person. (laughs) And Mm. I was like, what? And it took me, I mean, it took me like days to like figure that I'm like, where did this come from? And like, I was so shocked and blown away and like, really am I? And like, and then I was like, oh wait, no, that person actually is really angry at themselves because they have ruined some really significant relationships in their life. Mm -hmm. Perhaps one of them being with me. And So Mm -hmm. that person's really angry with themselves. And so it's easy to say that I'm angry because they feel so awful about their inability to fix the situation. And that was like, that was hugely eye-opening for me. And then I was like, oh, now I can release this. Like, I don't have to, because for a while I was like, do I need to send a nasty email? (laughs) No, no. Like, (gasps) first of all, I can feel compassion and sadness (laughs) for that person that they feel angry, but I don't have to embrace feeling angry because I'm not. Yeah. And that's true because you don't need to absorb that energy and then respond and like, it just serves no purpose. But you know what? You nailed it completely. If anyone judges, if you're the receiver of judging or you're sending out judgment, it always stems with the person who's sending. That's where it is. So if you're receiving it, then just you know, lovingly say, I hope that they have healing and compassion and grace for themselves and do your best to work through that release because it really has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. They're just projecting. If you're the one sending out, ask yourself some questions like, what about me is prompting me to send this thought, this email, this text, this energy? Like, what is it that's going on? Because it's either one of two things. It's either to your point, you have your own body images. I'm just using that as an example. You have your own body images. You're not happy with your own self. So it's really, really kind of satisfactory almost to point out the issues in someone else. Or you're fearful of going down that same path, right? Mm, Yeah. So that could be the other thing is like, for instance, maybe you're one of those neat freaks. Your house is like super, super neat. So when you go to somebody else's house and you see messy, you judge 
judge right away because the truth is, is you've got this attachment to cleanliness and yes. you fear being dirty or you fear, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's that's a good one. what you currently have or something that you fear about yourself. And right. so, yeah, it's always a projection. Always, always, always. I love going to people's messy houses because I'm like, oh, <laughs> let's just keep the bar real low for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And Do not ever clean your house for okay. me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm okay with that judgment. <laughs> so something that's come up in my community a number of times recently that I don't have the answer to. And as I was going through the book, I was like, I think Shannon can address this. So big expectations here for you. But a number of people have asked me, to address resentment that we hold on to toward other people. And especially, so we're recording this before the holidays. And so I know it's definitely relevant for a lot of people right now, but I know people in my community have had, you know, resentment towards parents or in-laws, maybe mm -hmm. siblings. It's a lot of times within family dynamics where it's not people you can really get out of your life or not easily get them out of your life. Yeah. And oftentimes for the sake of your kids or whatever, you want to keep them in your life. So how can we work through resentment and do some healing on our own to move forward in those relationships. This is really good. This is really, really good. And especially this time of year, it's applicable at any time of year, but you're right. This time of year is really critical. So much comes up, right? So many emotions and pasts and experiences. And so, well, the first thing I like to start off with is when it comes to forgiveness or resentment is one of my favorite quotes. And I don't know where it started from. Maybe you do, but it basically goes like this. When you're holding on to a grudge or to pain, it's like you drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. And the sad thing is, is that's a great concept, but like, how do we apply it, right? right? How do we say, okay, yeah, Shannon, I get it, but how do I apply it? I do want to talk about a couple other concepts. So when it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness or letting go of resentment, it doesn't mean that you're pardoning or excusing someone else. It doesn't mean you're excusing their actions. It doesn't mean that you're inviting them back in to hurt you. It doesn't mean right. any of that. It truly is just a release for you. Yes. It doesn't even mean that you have to tell that other person that they're forgiven, by the way. That's involving that person in your process is optional. I love that's that completely, Yeah, it's completely optional. It also doesn't mean that you're never going to have feelings about the situation. Of course, they're going to come up. I do want a side note on here. If you've got some pain and resentment and it's based around trauma and trauma is really wide, right? There's such a wide definition of trauma, but let's, you know, call it trauma being in the base in the description as far as like it really negatively impacts your ability to function in one or more key areas of your life, right? So for instance, that's just for an example, rape. So now it's really difficult for you to have sex or have mm -hmm. intimate relations with people. When it comes to that, where there's pain and resentment wrapped up in trauma, my absolute number one thing that I'm going to tell someone is they've got to get therapeutic help. Yeah. And one of the best, most scientifically proved ways to do that is through an EMDR. It's just a form of therapy that people can look it up. It's absolutely just 100% amazing when it comes to trauma. So that's just a side note when it comes to pain or resentment that's wrapped up in trauma. Forgiveness doesn't also mean that there's nothing further to work out in the relationship or that everything's completely okay now. You might just be forgiving a specific situation or a specific emotion or feeling. And it doesn't mean you should forget that it ever happened. So, you know, I'm just going over some concepts that people think are part of forgiveness. Yeah. I said it does not mean that they have to be involved in your life anymore. And it's not something you're doing for them. Again, forgiveness is something you're doing for you. And this isn't a selfish, like, oh, I can't stand that person. This is a, I love myself enough to forgive this other person. 
And so I have some steps, and I'll just go over them really quickly, that you can think about. But it's a concept, and it just requires some practice and some internal work. So the first thing is just thinking about the incident that hurt you or angered you. Accept that it happened. Because a lot of times we get stuck in the cycle of, I can't believe they did X, Y, Z, or whatever, right? So just accept it happened. Accept how you feel about it. Acknowledge those feelings. Acknowledge that they're real and they're okay. Like, it's okay that you're angry or hurt. No one should ever tell you not to feel angry or hurt over something, right? So you've got to acknowledge the reality of what occurred and how you were affected. That's step one. Step two is to acknowledge the growth that you experienced because of what happened. So this is hard, but we all grow, Sarah, more through controversy and challenge and pain than any other emotion or experience we're going to have in our life. We're always going to grow more through these situations. And so just acknowledging that you have growth and maybe asking yourself, what did I learn? Even if you learn that you're not going to have that person in your life anymore, that's a learning opportunity, you know? Mm. So not only did you survive this situation, but you learned from it. So that's the second step. The third step would be to like, think about that other person and the way that they're flawed too. They're a human being and all human beings are flawed. They're a flawed human being that's kind of what we all are, right? So he or she acted from a limiting belief or fear or a skewered frame of reference because that's kind of how we all act, right? Mm -hmm. That's not condoning their behavior. That's just saying they're flawed, I'm flawed, they're operating from limiting beliefs and fears. Sometimes I operate from limiting beliefs and fears. They're human, I'm human, right? Right, right. It just kind of humanizes the situation because a lot of times we picture this person as this evil entity, you know, that's just almost not human. And the truth is that they're a flawed human and we are a flawed human too. And then last is just really to decide whether or not you want to tell that other person that you've forgiven him and her, just whether or not you want to involve that person in your life. And so it's really just going through the process of thinking about it, acknowledging it, accepting the situation, understanding the growth that we had from it, the fact that we survived it, it makes us stronger. We were growing and learning from the situation, humanizing the other person so that it's just easier to release the expectations that we might have had wrapped up around them, and then deciding whether or not you want to involve them into the forgiveness process. So that's so good. I love like, I think that forgiveness is a really, it can be a dynamic and also not super tangible practice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think like having active steps like that is so, so helpful. So for everyone who has been asking me to address forgiveness, that was like the perfect like starting point for people to start taking some action in that direction. I love that. So we are, oh my gosh, there's, I have like 18 more questions I want to ask you. So everyone just needs to go get the book <laughs> because there's so many more good things to dive into. But I do want to end with love and how can we choose more love in our life? And what are some of the universal truths to choosing love? Yes, it's all about love. So really, honestly, that's kind of why we're all here on earth. Like that's my universal like thought being is why we're even here. You know, I'm not going into religion or any of that stuff. I'm just saying like love. It's the connection between one human being to another through love. And so, you know, the first thing I, I've already said is stop complaining. Like just doing that is going to invite more love into your life. The other things are to release expectations for people, you know, on how they should act or how they should respond to you in life. You know, sometimes we tie so much into what someone else should do, especially Sarah, our spouses. We really tie into these expectations. If, if they don't do this, then I won't be happy, right? Or if they totally. don't do this, you know, whatever. Meet people wherever they are without judgment. This is a practice, but really just accepting the best in someone and looking for the best in everyone and meeting them where they're at. Mm -hmm. And choosing to forgive, we talked about that, but it's really for yourself. Like the more you forgive past situations and resentments, the more love you're going to invite into your life. 
And then aligning with your inner guide and spirit. This is really kind of what we've talked about a little bit earlier is just, you know, stripping it all away and listening to our body and asking questions. And why are we feeling this way? How can I respond to this person in love, even if that means walking away? Like, what's the best, most loving response I can do to anyone or any situation? So good. I love it. Oh, so good. So I want you to tell everyone where they can connect with you, where they can get the book. And I know you have a special little code for our listeners to access your store and your services. So go ahead and tell us about all that. Yes. Yes. So you can go to mindbodycomplete.com and you can get the book and it's on Amazon as well. There's no, I can't give you a code that will work on Amazon. You know, my book is on Amazon as well. It's called Surrender by Shannon Jamal. And also though, anything that you purchase, if you decide to purchase anything in my store, whether it's the book or even sign up for one of my retreats, I do have a special code for your listeners and all they have to use is shameless mom, one word, and they get 10% off anything in the store or on a retreat. So awesome. And we didn't even get to talk about your retreats, but you have retreats that I'm always jealous of. (laughs) I know we got to get you to one. I know we have to make this happen. Like 2019, I think this needs to be the year. Yes. Um, yes. Even if I just, you know, we got to figure out a way just to get together in person again. I know. I know. I know. So we will continue that conversation and then we'll have pictures all over social media of us having so much fun together. I'll be from ego too. (laughs) Totally. Yes. Yes. Our intention here is just to make us look really good. (laughs) Just kidding. Oh, Shannon, this has been so fun. And I wish I didn't have another call in one minute because I want to ask more and talk more. So we'll have to do it again when you write the next book. You got to come back. (laughs) 101. (laughs) Right, right, right. Thank you so much for being here. I know this is going to really speak to so many of my listeners. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. One final quick note from Shannon. After we were done recording, she said, hey, I want to set up a special discount for any of my retreats, my stuff in my store, my book, all that stuff over on her website. So she set up a code. And if you use the code shameless mom, all one word, you will get 10% off of anything in her store on her website or her book or her retreats. So for that, just go to mindbodycomplete.com and use the code shameless mom, all one word. And I'll have that linked up in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. 
No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 